And 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Patrick Johnson show. I will not. I will not be told to hush. We've got a great show for you today. Thanks for joining us. Uh, as always, late breaking details and analyses that goes with it. Ben Byram uh, producing across the way. Uh, hey, Ben, how are you? Everything good? Ben Byram's on cloud nine. I'll tell you why in a minute, by the way. But is everything good today, Ben? Everything's good. I'm ready to roll. You are. Uh, Greg Murphy, Congressman Greg Murphy, MD, will be uh, joining us here uh, in a few minutes. It's been a few weeks since we've talked to the congressman. Uh, they are on a recess from activities in Washington, but uh, he is uh, all over the district. In fact, he is down in uh, Actionville, where the Onslow County school system wanted to go back 100% uh, bore for uh, in-person teaching. Face-to-face is another term that they use, uh, education. Some of the private schools, JP3 saying they're going to, Greenville Christian. I heard a, com- a commercial today on uh, WTIB earlier. Uh, they're all going back. No announcement for some of the other private uh, schools in the area. or uh, That would include Parrot. I, I, I was asking today what they thought they were going to do. They're still weeding through some of this. Uh, Pitt County Schools, uh, I, I don't know if it's end of the week or early next week, they will have some sort of uh, idea on what their plan will look like in this uh, option B that uh, Governor Roy Cupper put out uh, yesterday. Uh, So we'll ask Greg Murphy about that. We'll get kind of the very latest on his uh, take on everything with COVID-19. We had been off the uh, air for, what, an hour yesterday when the email hit that ECU is putting, uh, and I'm paraphrasing the quote here, temporary, uh, a temporary pause uh, on athletic activities. 27 have tested positive out of the uh, several hundred tests that they have performed on uh, athletes, coaches, and staff members. Uh, That was uh, a number, I believe, two weeks ago at 16. So that is a pretty sizable percentage jump. But if you look at the number of tests and the number of positives compared to the number of tests, it's actually lower than the percentage uh, right now of positive tests statewide and in a lot of places around the country. Uh, in other words, they're looking at a, I think it's somewhere around six, six and a half percent. And the rate in North Carolina, I think it's a little below 10, I believe is what Deputy Sheriff Cohen said yesterday in the press conference. So, I mean, that's a different that's a much lower percentage, and that's like if, if the U.S. had that percentage right now, I think people may feel a lot better about uh, things. But um, that's a pretty low percentage. But uh, apparently ECU has quarantined everyone, and uh, we've done some digging today, and it is hard to find some info out of uh, that. It's a uh, airtight ship right now on that situation. And a lot of it, too, is I think the idea is you don't want it becoming a flare-up or a hot spot. The good news about anyone who's tested positive, and you have no, I mean, it could be, 
you know, an assistant coach who's older. Uh, although I don't think there are too many of those on the staff now for football. I know Joe Dooley finally had all 15 guys on his roster kind of on campus and was going to get ready to fire things up in earnest today with these voluntary preseason workouts. And this hits and they cease activities. So uh, we'll see. You know, this has happened at Oklahoma, or excuse me, Alabama. It's happened at uh, LSU. It's happened at Clemson. I was talking to some folks at South Carolina. And uh, all of the Gamecock fans are accusing Clemson of just throwing all the guys in a dorm <laughs> together and, and having it kind of run through so everybody then builds up the antibodies. You know, there's been those accusations. It's interesting. Um, we've got a cut with Greg Sankey, the uh, the SEC commissioner, was uh, without kick, and Clay Travis. This all goes back. Everything, you know, goes into my mind as – what's going to ultimately happen here with college football. And, and trust me, there's people, I think they would give a an appendage off their body just to be right for whatever reason. I don't know if they're not truly, you know, there's that sect of the media, sports media, that wants to see football destroyed for whatever reason. A lot of them wouldn't have a job if it were not for football, so I don't understand why they want to destroy, see the game destroyed in some way, shape, or form. Um. You know, or they maybe hate the president so much that they, you know, can't see past their own political biases. I don't know, but there's a group out there that of people. It's just not people in the media. I mean, it's they would love to just be right on. They're not. I'm very optimistic and bullish on this. I think there's still, still we're still going to have football. I think we're going to have a full season now. I, I maybe I'm not as confident that it will start on time, but. I, we're far out on this thing. Well, even the people you've talked to on the show that are involved with college football, they've been optimistic about it as well. Well, but, Phil Steele, I thought, was yeah. very optimistic. I talked to Phil a little uh, later, and, and he was, you know, he had a lot of interesting things to say about this. He was kind of shocked about what the Big Ten did. Uh, our guy, Rini Angolia, down in Orlando, where one of the biggest stories in the world right now is not getting reported in any kind of main mainstream media. Uh, the Fox TV station down in Orlando, Fox 35, found out that there were fudged positive tests. There were whole hospitals wow. reporting 100% positive tests to COVID, and they dug in and found that those numbers were faulty. In fact, I talked to Rick Henderson today briefly at the Carolina Journal, uh, and apparently the Carolina Journal is going to have a big article tomorrow on some of the details that Deputy Sheriff Cohen uses in calculating her numbers. In other words, as it was described to me by someone else involved with the article, uh, garbage in, garbage out. You can make the numbers uh, apparently look the way you want them to look. I always kind of wondered where she got her statistics Well, there's a lot of question about that. We may have to get Rick on to talk about this, uh, because that, that article is coming out, Carolina Journal, tomorrow. Uh, this has all kind of led to what the NCHSAA is uh, doing. A little bit later on, we're going to get Chris Hughes to talk about that. Basically, they have put back uh, high school athletics to the 1st of September. And here's here's what's going to happen. And I've, I've started to discuss this in a social media context last week. Um, not only do you have something going on like Greenville Little League right now, which is great and it's pure and it's a wonderful thing, 
Uh, but you got travel baseball teams, travel softball teams, you know, with kids that are obviously of an age that would be going to school and playing sports at school or going to elementary school. Uh, here in the East, there was a huge tournament a couple of weeks ago. It was over 100 teams played in it. No word on a COVID outbreak. No flare-up out of that. Uh, the beach volleyball stuff's going on. Those kids are traveling every weekend and playing. I'm, and I'm not knocking any of this quite the contrary. It's a case study in you can have sports go on and not have a sit Now, nobody's out playing football, but I tell you what, they are playing in a lot of gyms. A lot of AAUs playing right now. They were playing ball at the dungeon. Those college guys were at that undisclosed secret location. They didn't figure that. I thought they figured that out. The sheriff last week claims that she uh, had okay. just learned about the dungeon. All right. But, I mean, those those guys are playing. I, I mean, I'm all for it, you know. But you mark my words. Private schools in the area say we're going back with face-to-face in-person instruction. Uh, other private schools, I'm sure, will follow suit. Uh, they're going back for instruction. They're playing games. They're playing sports. Club teams, AAU teams, they're playing. You're going to lose high school athletes if you horse around and don't have a fall sports season or have one that is uh, shortened and really doesn't do a, a service to the kids who want to go out there and play. So you're going to see club, AAU, travel, all of that stuff explode. It's already a big deal. Those coaches already have a lot of influence, probably in a lot of cases, more influence than high school coaches now. In certain, I mean, and not just in basketball, uh, volleyball, baseball. I mean, it's, it's in every sport. You're going to see families with means send their kids to, to participate in these things. And when that happens, kids are not going to come back. If you, could, if you could be home, take all your classes online, and then just work on the sport you're trying to get a handle on and, and that you're maybe being recruited in the rest of your time and then go to practice, what are you going to do? Are you going to go horse around with a high school team that has an association that has not really come out with a definitive plan? No, you're going to go play because you played all summer and, and you were fine and your teammates were fine. Nobody wants to make a decision. And it, it I mean, I'm not knocking the individuals here, but there's too much bureaucratic bloat over the high schools. And this decision today kind of proves it because Durham schools are, are going to be meeting. If they're not meeting right now, they're going to go all virtual. How do you handle that? And if you got no outbreaks in places like Currituck County, others, other counties in the East and the kids can go back to school safely. Why, you know, why are they not going back? We'll talk to Greg Murphy all about that. Uh, Chris Hughes coming up a little bit later on. I told uh, Congressman we would get with him at uh, 515. Um, so we'll talk a little more about the ECU stuff. We'll talk about why Ben's very excited. Chris Hughes a little later on with more on this uh, High School Athletic Association stuff. And, uh, oh, there was a, uh, a couple of other little notes. I'll tease these. Uh, this group came out with party schools. Each, you know, they did one of those maps and they listed the party school in each state. I saw that. Mm. ECU apparently has been supplanted. We'll tell you by who. And then, uh, do you play Madden? I do. I do. So some exciting news about your boy CMC and Madden. 
All right, all right, I like it. All right. Uh, there's an all-star race tonight at Bristol. Who knew? 30,000 will be in attendance. That's the reason it's not being held in Charlotte, because they can have crowds in Tennessee. And now Bristol's enormous. What, 150,000 at seats? But but the 30,000 is probably reflective of the modern recent year crowds. So it'll look just like any other Bristol race of the last few years with hardly anybody there. Uh, but still, that's a good thing for, for sports, a good thing for NASCAR. Uh, we'll get the Congressman Greg Murphy. Looking forward to having him on. I want to get his reaction to a lot of this uh, news and kind of see how he feels about sports resuming. Uh, we'll have him join us from Jacksonville, part of uh, District 3, when we return on the Patrick Johnson Show. This is where the Pirates play. 94.3 The Game, your home for the best ECU game day coverage in all of the Pirate Nation. Back to the show. It's all coming back. The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Back in 94.3 The Game. Patrick Johnson here with you, 516. Congressman Greg Murphy. It's been a while since we've uh, talked to him and the... uh, Congressman who's on recess from Washington this week, but is uh, all over his vast district, uh, District 3 that he represents in the uh, United States House, is uh, where he's been running all over, and we appreciate him hopping on the phone for a few minutes uh, with us here this afternoon. Congressman, always great to talk to you. Hope you're well. Good afternoon, Patrick. I am. I hope you're doing well. Yes, sir. Uh, lots to kind of talk about as, as with everything when it comes to uh, COVID-19, which you've been all over with us from the very, very uh, start of this whole pandemic, um, uh, even stuff kind of developing uh, today. Let's, let's kind of start with um, the school decision yesterday and uh, how the governor sort of kicked it down to uh, basically school districts. They, they have some kind of lawyerese term that they call it, but uh, we say school districts here in the East. Um, so, uh, you know, where are you on the whole blended model, kids going back full-time, uh, Although the various options, uh, give us your analysis and reaction to, to yesterday. Yeah. So I literally just got off a conference call with the vice president and, uh, Dr. Hans, the head of the CDC. And the, the bottom line is the American Academy of Pediatrics, the CDC has said that we should start conversations from the premise that schools are going to open with children in place. That should be the basis of this, of, uh, discussions, not the other way around, not a virtual, uh, classroom, but a uh, hands-on, in-person classroom. And the rationale being a a couplefold. Number one, kids do not learn as well looking at a computer as they do looking at a teacher in a classroom setting. Fact, uh, point blank, we've already hurt our students tremendously because of this. And disproportionately, disproportionately, our rural um, schools and our minority um, populations, because they may not have access to broadband, They might not have access to Internet, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And it's also important to look at studies where we've seen, you know, assessment levels that have dropped off in the, you know, the the second half of this past year, um, or or rather the first half of the past year because of no grading, et cetera. So it is definitely the fact that kids are not in the classroom learning is definitely a detriment to the student. So I think that's the basis from what we start. Now, can we put things back safely? And the answer is a resounding yes. It's been done in other countries, and we should be able to do so. You know, again, six feet apart, washing hands, checking temperatures, just like we're doing in every other avenue of our existence. 
It's called consistency, the lack of which we've had from the governor's administration throughout this whole crisis. Well, you know, the, the, the literature is very clear that kids are uniformly do very well with this virus. I, I found it interesting that even uh, Mandy Cohen yesterday acknowledged the fact that this virus is uh, not one that necessarily spreads with uh, kids of a certain age, mainly elementary school age, in, in hardly any numbers. Uh, it's not easily transmitted between those kids, and it's very rare that you see uh, a child uh, pass on the virus as a vessel to uh, a parent or a grandparent. Um, so I, I'm just, you know, we've also got the, the, the mask deal in the state where the, the kids below a certain age aren't wearing uh, masks in public or in public places in a lot of cases. Uh, at least they're not required to, but yet we're, we're going to have kindergartners uh, trying to wear these masks. I can't see that happening. Well, it's just also do it's consistency. Now, we'll tell you, let's look at different populations. Let's look at uh, kids that are affected with autism. Some oh, sure, of those yeah. who are severely so, they're, they're not going to wear masks. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it just speaks to the rationale of let's be consistent with things. We, let's Instead of uh, screaming emotion, which is what, you know, some of these people want to do. They just want to scream emotion at this. Let's actually look at this objectively. And, um, yes, we ought to protect our teachers just like we do in every other avenue. Wash your hands, wear a mask, do all those things. And if kids have a susceptibility to immune disorders like lupus, bad diabetes, et cetera, they should continue to be protected. Mm-hmm. But for the overwhelming majority of kids, um, they need to be back in the classroom learning around other kids. They're around other kids now when they're not in school. Good Lord. You think they're all just sitting in their, in their bedrooms? No. And so we can do it safely back in school, and it'll help the kids socialize. It'll help their education. And, again, it will help our economy. You know, estimates, uh, Dr. Hahn said that if we don't open our schools, it's a $50 billion hit to the economy every month. Wow. And some people want to scream, oh, you're putting lives before uh, – you're, you're putting money before lives. That's hogwash. That's hogwash. Um, we need to get our kids back in school. Congressman Greg Murphy, MD, is with us. Uh, the governor also made the decision to prolong phase two uh, beyond Friday for another three weeks. So I, I gave the analogy yesterday for all of the sports fans out there. I mean, this is the, the classic dink and dunk quarterback. You know, we're two week in it here, three week in it there as we work our way down uh, towards the goal line in this case. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to say it, and I hope it doesn't put you in a bad spot uh, be doing so. Uh, you know, closer to this thing can be drawn out to November. That seems like the end game, at least in my humble opinion, for this administration. Well, Patrick, um, you know, I, I've tried to look at this rationally and objectively, and that's what you're able to do during the first part of this. But it's become very increasingly clear that there are political motives in all of this. And, um, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I'm a realist, and I can see right through the smoke screen that's going on. Mm-hmm. The, the purpose is to impoverish the state and uh, make everybody without jobs and depend more upon governments for not only their livelihood, but for their health care and create dependency. And I'll have no part of that. It's not what the American people need. It's not what North Carolina people need. Uh, obviously, I, I go to the beach uh, down in uh, uh, Pender County, and uh, and I hear a lot from folks down there. Uh, and there are people in your district on the way to, to Surf City, for example. Uh, and that may even be in your district, for all I know. But, um, you know, you, you've talked to a lot of people the last uh, several weeks. Uh, when I was out in the western part of the state last week, uh, the governor's not a popular guy out there, even with people who admitted to being uh, Democrats, business owners, uh, did not like the way this whole thing's been handled. What are you hearing from your constituency? 
Um, I'm hearing they're not happy because, you know, there was a chance to be a champion for this for all of North Carolinians. Um, there was a chance to be consistent in the message. You know, what is going to be different in three weeks than what's today than what was three weeks ago? Not a damn thing. You know, it, it's no different. And so we're, what are you kicking the can down for? Again, it makes you question motives. Yeah. And, you know, testing, testing, testing. Well, uh, let's, uh, you can get me off on the tangent about nursing homes, which even WREL and the News and Observer, which are the most liberal uh, institutions, uh, media institutions in our state, they're even coming out criticizing the governor and uh, Mandy Cohen for their lack of uh, testing and, and a plan for nursing homes. I've been doing that for three months. And now they're finally coming out with it themselves. So I think people are getting disgusted, and I think people are smart enough to see through the politics that are being, the political games that are, that are being played. You have uh, done an excellent job uh, as the uh, congressman. Uh, and, I, I mean, we personally and, and, and publicly here have told you uh, uh, how I think you've been a great voice and leader during this whole, whole thing, not only here in North Carolina, but, but nationally as well. Um, I, I don't want to make you an unpopular guy, but i got to ask your opinion from a medical standpoint about, you know, sports. Um, ECU has shut down things temporarily, they say, uh, with uh, the basketball teams and with uh, the football team as far as those workouts they were doing. Uh, it was announced today by the High School Athletic Association. They're pushing uh, things back to September 1st, which uh, probably would put a football and fall sports season starting a month later than it would uh, originally start. Uh, I mean, can we s- safely play Sports, in your estimation, in the coming months? So let's ask this. What's going to change between August 1st and September 1st? Um, nothing. Yeah. Nothing's going to change. The only, the only thing that is going to change this pandemic, or, well, it's actually twofold. The only thing that's going to change is, number one, is to people be exposed, recover, as we know that you know, 99.7% of people do, and that other 3% are disproportionately affected to those age 75 and older. Okay, there are some younger individuals. It's altogether rare that they get infected and have a bad outcome. So again, let's look at statistics. Um, And so nothing's going to change in in two months' time. The other aspect of this is getting a vaccine. Now, being on the call today with uh, Dr. Dr. Hans, um, very optimistic. This has literally been unprecedented in the history of germ warfare, if you will, for us to come up with a vaccine in half a year, um, essentially, or three quarters of a year that normally take four years to come up with. So he's optimistic, you know, that we'll have a vaccine. There's one that has really hit the forefront now. Mm-hmm, We're mm-hmm. trying a bunch of other ones because we don't know for sure. And so can the bottom line is, can we start sports? Can we start sports safely? I think we can personally. You know, everything has a risk. Everything has a risk. Um, kids need to try to keep apart from one another as best they can, et cetera. And if we had decent uh, point of uh, contact tracing, we could do some of those other things. But, you know, basically, again, continuing to put our life on hold, um, you know, is a problem. If kids have some type of underlying disease, then, yeah, we need to pull those out just like we would if a kindergartner. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I don't I I just don't see how things are going to change in one month's time if we're not changing anything um, about what we're doing. (laughs) Have you noticed any sort of evolution in this virus? Is it, uh, from what you've read and, and the research you've seen, is it uh, in a different strain now? Is it any uh, more powerful or less potent in any way? 
Actually, there, fortunately, this virus has not mutated significantly, and that's actually apparently the the um, process with some of these new quote viruses, novel viruses. What has changed is the way that we're te- we're treating it and taking care of it, and those have been exponential improvements in the way we're taking care of patients in this regard. You know, we don't intubate patients nearly as aggressively as we did before. We instead of putting the breathing tube down, we put them on a what they call a 100% non-rebreather, which is just a face mask, and you ride it out for a couple of days, and they do much better. You give them blood thinners immediately, and mm-hmm. that's been a major problem with these disorders. You give them steroids immediately. If you give them remdesivir, convalescent plasma, these type of things, which has made a, a, a quantum leap um, in cutting the death rate. You know, let's, let's, we'll go back to football a little bit, and let's just, you know, flesh this thing out. We have some kids there, and the number one risk factor for death with this is, is morbid obesity. We have some kids that are big, you know, the kids that play on the offensive line, the kids that play on the defensive line. Mm -hmm. They're probably, frankly speaking, uh, frankly speaking, they're probably a little bit at higher risk. Well, how do you play football without an offensive and defensive line? Well, that's a challenge. That's a challenge, Uh, especially if, you know, we have kids that are diabetics or whatever. But again, you know, we talk about spacing. We talk about trying to minimize risk. I think that's what we do with our kids. Congressman, uh, if you – as you look at uh, the amount of, of hospitalizations in this uh, and then death deaths caused by this, th- th- that number in particular deaths is not a growing number like number of cases is, for example. Um, and when you talk hospitalizations, the numbers were presented and, and are regurgitated by the media are, are those that include statewide numbers. But when you break it down, particularly here in the East, and I'm sure you see these numbers on a, a daily basis, uh, the Vidant system and Vidant here in Greenville have no hardly anybody right now in, in ICU or hospitalized because of this, do they? Um, my, the numbers that I got from yesterday uh, said that there were three patients in the ICU at Vidant Medical Center because of COVID. Three. Um, when I was there several weeks ago, we had 17 or 18. So um, on the Bell side curve, you know, we have talked about flattening the curve. Um, you know, there are 32 patients apparently hospitalized at Vidant um, at the medical center now. Um, and so you look at our numbers in eastern North Carolina, they're nothing, relatively speaking, um, to the rest of the nation, the rest of the state in some of these uh, regards. So, you know, I've, I've advocated since day one, you know, working with the hospital system um, about trying to have a regional approach. But, uh, our wonderful governor doesn't want to have that way. He'd rather have total control of the state. So. Have Have they talked to you at any point here recently? I mean, I would think, you know, obviously a member of, of Congress, but a, a medical doctor for 30 years, uh, they would want to, somebody with HHS or uh, the governor's office, I would hope, would have uh, maybe sought some, some input from you or, or spoke to you on some level. What's that? Well, it's funny, Patrick. I called him up originally when this whole thing started and said, uh, I want to be not seen as a Republican member of Congress. I want to be seen as a physician, somebody that's been in the legislature, somebody has helpful. And I got, oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. Um, haven't gotten a word. And um, I don't think they like me too much now because I've been calling things objectively as they are. So yeah. I don't expect a call from either Dr. <laughs> Cohen or the governor anytime soon. Uh, Congressman, what is your, I guess you're in uh, the district for the remainder of the week and then back up to Washington? Uh, yes, sir. I was uh, at New River Air Station today meeting with the um, the Marines, um, taking a tour of their base, meeting with uh, their executive officers, uh, seeing what they're doing on their base. We actually had a 
um, a, uh, a tour of the base, an aerial tour of the base on a, in a V-22 Osprey today. Um, I, I've really, uh, you know, I didn't grow up in a military family, but military is so important for Eastern North Carolina. I've, uh, it's a high priority of mine to understand what the military's mission, the Marines' mission here is in Eastern North Carolina so I can better support them um, in Congress. I go up to D.C. I'll go up uh, probably either Saturday night or, or Sunday sometime. And then you all will be uh, voting on the floor. Is that right? Uh, yeah, we'll we'll probably be there for three weeks straight. Okay. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We need uh, we need to help all the mem- Republican, in my opinion, Republican people running for Congress throughout the country because I'm not sure how much I can tolerate Speaker Pelosi. She just turns everything political, and yeah. it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, Congressman, thank you. You're, you're doing a wonderful job, and I, I appreciate uh, your your uh, willingness to come on the air with us here and, and update the folks. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm always happy to do it, Patrick. You'll always get uh, a pretty much straight answer from me, whether you like it or not. But that's what it is. Yep. Thank you, Congressman. Good to talk to you. <laughs> All right. God bless everybody. Take care. There he goes. Uh, our pal uh, Greg Murphy, Congressman Murphy, M.D. Uh, he has uh, done, a, I think, a fantastic job, and and you know, is not looking at it politically, but looks at it through the scope of uh, his medical expertise, and then what is best for for the folks of Eastern Carolina, and, and really for the nation. And uh, I just, I, I don't think we're getting that in a lot of cases. Didn't hold back any punches there. No, well, he never does. He, like you said, he's going to tell you what he thinks, and whether you like it or not. And that, that's the thing, I think. Uh, everybody should like and respect about Congressman Murphy. I mean, he is, yes, he's a Republican, but he is a, a, a guy that's concerned about his constituency, concerned about Eastern Carolina and what's best for the, for the nation. And he will not do what is going to be politically, politically expedient. He's going to do what he feels is, is best for the people he represents. You don't have to read in between the lines when he speaks. No, no, you don't. You sure don't. Okay. Uh, Ben's got an update on what is happening. Uh, we've got some ECU news, all-star race, uh, and, uh, the DAC deadline has come and gone, right? Here's Ben. Thanks, Patrick. Ben Barm here for your 94th of the game sports update. In response to Governor Roy Cooper's reopening plan for the upcoming school year, the North Carolina High School Athletic Association has decided to, to delay the start of the high school fall sports season until at least September 1st. The association has made the first five days of the school year designated dead periods. For all sports, the school staff can focus on a return to in-person learning, and the association has decided to continue Phase 1 summer conditioning and workouts until further notice. Meanwhile, North Lenore head head football coach Jim Collins has resigned from the program in his two seasons with the team. He led them to their biggest turnaround in program history and tied for the most wins in a season in the team's history. ESPN released their top 300 high school football athletes throughout the nation, and cracking the list was local talent from J.H. Rose Michael Allen. Allen comes in on the list at ranked 125th and as a four-star prospect. ECU AD John Gilbert announced last night that all ECU athletic activities will be temporarily paused beginning today and that all athletic facilities and practice fields will also be closed. Gilbert claims that after testing all student athletes, 27 positive cases came back and that seven have recovered. He says all athletes who have tested positive will self-isolate and receive daily monitoring. Pirate basketball senior Ian Jones has been named to the North National Association of Basketball Coaches Honors Court. 
The honors awarded to players who excelled in academics during the 2019 through 2020 season. College football Marshall Jr. starting quarterback Isaiah Green has entered the transfer portal. Green started all 13 games for the herd last season. And the NFL running back Derek Henry has agreed to a two-year contract extension with the Titans worth $50 million. $25 million of that money is guaranteed. Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott did not reach an agreement for an extension. Multiple reports indicated there was a dispute between whether it should be a four-year deal or a five-year between the two sides. The Cowboys will not have to franchise tag Dak for the 2020 season, meaning he will earn $31 million in guaranteed money. And the NASCAR All-Star race is set to start tonight in Bristol at 8.30 with an expected 330,000 fans in attendance. The current pole position has Ryan Blaney in third, Alex Bowman in second, and Martin Shrek Jr. in first. If you're a 94 through the game sports update, I'm Ben Byron. More from the Pat from the P-Man on the flagship station, the ECU Pirates, after this quick timeout. The P-Man. He's a big dumb animal, isn't he, folks? This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3, the game. So Kanye is no longer running for president. What a shame. What a shame. Was that in your list? It was. It was. was it? Did it? I just saw the headline. I've been so blooming busy today with work-related things, obviously, the show and other things, and then uh, other personal issues. Uh, so I didn't really read beyond the headline. What, did, did it say why he's dropping out? No, but the word is is that he has a new album coming out, and it was probably just propaganda. Well, like a publicity stunt. Yeah, pretty much. He so, did it a couple years ago, didn't he? Like about four years ago when we were coming up with the uh, Trump-Hillary election. Did he? I don't remember. He, was it was easy then? It was like vote for easy or something like that because he calls himself clownish names. Are you? Or, did you hit your head or something? I, I, I don't. Oh, you understand didn't understand a, what I just I said. I didn't understand huh? a word you just said there. You got to get I up hit, to date with. Did the, I hit my head? Is I guess the question. You got to get up to date the hip hop culture there. Uh, chance of a shower or storm maybe before nine. Although I think we're gonna be in the clear here in Greenville. I'll leave that up while I do the forecast. I like that under my. Yeah, I like that underneath my. Uh, Forecast read here. Uh, low tonight of uh, 70. Uh, a chance of thunderstorms tomorrow against a 20% chance. High of 91. It's hot out there today, folks. Uh, 93 uh, Friday. 20% chance of rain. Rain chances increase, especially the back half of the weekend. 93 Saturday with a 40% chance of rain. A high near 93 Sunday with a 50, 50 shot and a shower storm. Uh, you can go back and listen to any of our broadcasts uh, via our website, the new 943thegame.com. We post uh, a copy of the uh, show. And we really don't pare it down. I know it's in vogue and you know for the real stars of the industry to do the best of. If we did a best of podcast at the end of each day, there would be very little to podcast about, I would think. So that's why we just do the whole show. Well, all the bad notes, they're real. We're not uh, lip syncing here. So uh, there you go. Uh, also, you can uh, not only pick it up online, but wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. All that. Gotcha. All of them. And then some other ones, too, uh, as well. Uh, enjoyed having the Congressman Greg Murphy on. If you missed that, you can relive that exciting 
uh, and, uh, you know, pulling no punches interview. So tomorrow, uh, we're not only going to have Brett Friedlander with us, does some work for Bonesville and some other outlets as well, talking a little college football uh, and uh, some ACC-related stuff, but we're going to have, I mean, Ben can barely contain himself. I'm excited. This is big. For those of you who are new to the show, and our, our vast top-rated audience grows by leaps and bounds uh, daily, in fact, uh, Ben Byram is what we would call a combat sports enthusiast. Is that the term we've settled on? There's no doubt about that. You got it. Nailed. So for those that don't know any, by the way, Ben is, can barely contain himself over there. For those of you that don't know anything about what combat sports are, uh, that would include your MMA, your cage fighting, right? Correct. You got uh, it. That would include boxing. Boxing. That would include uh, uh, jujitsu. Jujitsu. Correct. Muay Thai. Muay Thai. Judo, any of that. Judo, kickboxing. Yep, kickboxing even for Even sure. pro wrestling. Some people even include pro wrestling. Right. So Ben is what we call a combat sports aficionado, and a few uh, about a year ago, Ben had just started with the uh, company here, and we had a meeting one day, and it was around this time of year, and we said, uh, "Well, Ben, you're awfully silent. Do you have any observations or anything?" With and, and Ben says, "Well, I think we ought to have more pro wrestling and MMA on." Great impression. Uh, apparently, I sound like Country Elmo, huh? <laughs> Still sound like Country Elmo. You too, when you talk about combat sports, because your voice hits another octave. I hit a higher, higher pitch. You there. do, you do, you do. You, I mean, you. Oh, you just did it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny. So you're very excited about all this, and so Ben, we we explained to Ben at the time why we didn't think that would be. We should just do a straight MMA show. We we you know it's. Yeah, of, obviously yeah. not. You shouldn't. You shouldn't do that. So. So Ben took over as the producer of the show and, and has blossomed in that role. And we've, uh, I think, are, are doing a more broad program than maybe we were doing a year ago. And that's great. We still have our mission to cover the Pirates. Yep. Keep it local. But we, and keep it local. But, we, you know, we, we delve into other areas. And we try to keep it Carolina and keep it local and that kind of thing. Uh, and so ben, ben came to me a few weeks ago with the idea, because, I mean, let's face it. There's no sports now, but we're also in the summer doldrums. I actually have found, for the most part, doing shows during this time to be, uh, in some ways, a little easier. A little bit more relaxing. Well, yeah, and there's a lot of things to kind of talk about. I mean, you you just want good conversation on any show you listen to. And there's certainly a lot of things to converse about. But anyway, Ben comes to me and and says, Would you want to have an MMA guest on, a fighter? I said, what do you... A fighter like a UFC? Yeah, one of the best is here in the state. So I said, okay. And so tomorrow he is booked. I mean, this guy's won 20 fights. This guy is a fan favorite. He has fought in a lot of major bouts. Yeah, he's faced the best of the best, and I'm not just saying that. You know, a lot of people just say that, but I'm dead serious. The best of the best in the sport he's fought. Coming up on August 1st. He's got a fight. Yep. He's got a fight, not at Fight Island, but in Vegas. Yep. They call it the UFC Apex. Okay. God, you're very excited about that. <laughs> uh, North Carolina native son. A ranked fighter? A ranked fighter. Okay. Eighth ranked fighter. Okay. Eighth ranked fighter. Derek Brunson will join us tomorrow. I've uh, seen some video and some pictures of this guy. I'm glad. Uh, I, I'm worried about angering him because he would pummel me. He trains with the current champ, too. The current welterweight champ he trains with. He, so he's 
He's got all kinds all right. of guy on his on his side. You're getting a little dorky. Okay, on all, right, all right, all right. Back, you know, Ben gets emotional over combat sports. All right, I'll I'll, I'll keep my mouth shut. As a combat, no, no. If there's ever a time I need you to, <laughs> to will be okay, tomorrow right. during the course of the interview. I'm going to need you to have some questions ready, not only for me but probably for yourself. I think you need to write down some questions. I'm ready. You're going to give me a research packet. Yep. And I got then you. You need to write your because I think your emotions are going to overcome you. I'm going to start crying to him. You might. So that's tomorrow. Uh, will there be football? I, I am of the opinion that uh, I, despite all this, I'm still, I, I want to be positive like our guy Rini Angoli and say footballs are coming, like Phil Steele, and say I'm going to be bullish on the fact we're going to have football. And I think we can have a full season. I think we should have a full season. I, th- I think when you look at our schedule and you see that Marshall game there at the beginning, if there's any game that needs to be played this season, I think it's that one, and they have to make that happen. Yeah. So, no, I agree with you. There's a lot of reasons for the, to play that game. I, I, we we're communicating with the uh, conference office, too, on a daily basis, and I think we're going to have Mike Oresco next week, perhaps Monday, but we're, we're trying to work down a date with him. There's obviously a lot on his plate right now. But the indication seems to be they want to play 12 games. They want to play the full non, and then Greg Sankey. The I still think in all of this, regardless, of, notice a lot of that ACC playing conference only chatter has kind of died down a little bit. I think Clemson is kind of dominating the reasoning behind that. But I think as long as the SEC keeps the twelve game schedule, plays the non conference games, I think that is a good sign. For the American, for example. It's a good basis for the rest of college I, I, football in I general. Do. You know, never mind what the Big Ten or the Pac-12 have done. Never mind that certain programs have shut things down right now, uh, including the one here in Greenville, ECUs. Uh, because I think as the SEC goes, so goes everything else with this thing. That's that's the big breadwinner right there. Well, they, I mean, they're taking it seriously, obviously. Not saying others aren't, but I mean, they're, you're, you're not hearing the same things you're hearing out of Greensboro with the ACC, some of that foolishness. Now, that's not what they're saying in the upstate of South Carolina, I can assure you that. But even Notre Dame, I mean, Notre Dame apparently wants no part, according to some back channels, of you know this going away from their schedule and playing this home-and-home ACC divisional kind of thing. There's a lot of reasons Notre Dame doesn't want that. Uh, but this is Greg Sankey on uh, OutKick with Clay Travis today. And uh, he, he talked about not only, I guess, playing the full complement of games for SEC schools, but, I mean, he said Alabama and A&M, Texas A&M, are, are essentially uh, already putting things together to fill the spots of games they've lost in the non-conference. We're not alone in having uh, lost non-conference games because of other conference decisions. And so all of these other football programs that have lost opportunities are now looking for games as well. So the good news is, even though we've had those two that have slipped away, there will be opportunities for both Alabama and A&M to, to find other opponents should they should they move down that pathway. So as it goes for me, in my mind, for the SEC, is how it'll go for the American and how it likely will go for the rest of college football. All politics are local, and if something happens, somebody may have to forfeit a game or somebody may have to back out uh, of, a, of a game, that sort of thing. 
But to me, as far as the SEC saying we're going to play the 12 games, and Mike used to telling us earlier in the week that the Americans committed to playing the, the full non-conference and conference schedule as it is right now for every member, uh, that tells me things are, are going to happen. And there's a, a resolve and a determination for that to happen. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It's never easy. It doesn't mean that people aren't going to have to get creative in how they do things. People are getting very creative. Uh, we just they need to be given the chance to be creative and not bogged down with uh, politically motivated orders. Uh, we'll take a timeout and uh, come back and, and wrap it up here. Patrick Johnson show uh, for you. The best party school in North Carolina is who? ECU. Uh, not so fast, my People friend. People tend to disagree, huh? Not my, not so fast. We'll tell you who next. Wake up with Clay Travis. Get home with the P-Man on Pitt County's home for sports. 94.3 The Game. We got a Twitter poll up at 943 The Game on Twitter. We'll tell you about that in a moment. But, Ben, the Twitter poll from yesterday, what were the results? All right, so yesterday we asked in light of Governor Cooper's comments and updates on North Carolina schools, do you think there will be a public school football slash fall sports in 2020? The options were yes, then yes, a short season, or no. And the leading answer was no with 58.2% of the vote. People very negative. Followed by yes, a short season, which was 29.6% of the vote. And then yes, with 12.2% of the votes. So negative. All right, what's the new Twitter poll that's up right now? So in the new one, people still kind of indifferent. We got, in light of ECU athletics temporarily pausing athletic activities, do you see ECU playing Marshall on August 29th? The options were 100%. They're going to play August 29th. 75%. I noticed it's the 100% emoji. Too. Yep. That was good. Yep. Yeah. Got to add that in there. 75%. Most likely they'll play. Ah. 50%. Eh, I'm kind of indifferent about it. Yeah, 50-50. And then not happening. Not happening at all. Right now it looks like not happening in 50-50. Yep. The- They're okay. leading. All right. Followed by 100% and then 75%. All right. I got you. So still very negative. The Twitter account, uh, fifth year. At fifth year. The five. I, I thought that was. Um, oh well, I, I it's on the tip of my tongue. I can't remember what it was. They must have changed the name. Maybe it's not. But they put out one of those, you know, maps of the U.S. and each state represented like what's your favorite fast food. Or They've gotten favorite. really popular over the uh, yeah. quarantine. The top party school in each state. What do you think it is in North Carolina? You say ECU. It should be ECU or App State or something like They've that. They've got Duke. 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 Ah, I don't like this. As my friend, voice of the Frederick Keys at Mount St. Mary's, actually he's the voice of the double-A for the Orioles, but also in Mount St. Mary's, uh, Adam Pohl said he went to a Duke party once when he was at UNC, and they had, like, spritzer, weird spritzer, non-alcoholic drinks and and music in the background, which was like, you know, sounds of waterfalls or something. I don't know. It just it, it doesn't seem like a party scene to me. I imagine a Duke party being three guys on a couch playing video games. That's a Duke party in my mind. You sure you're not talking about our guy CJ? Oh, hey, 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 you said it, not me. Thanks to uh, Congressman Greg Murphy. Tomorrow, uh, we'll talk some college sports with uh, Brett Friedlander and also 
MMA UFC fighter, one of the top fighters in the in the game, Derek Brunson from the state of North Carolina will join us. Ben can hardly wait, and I can hardly wait because Ben can hardly wait. Tomorrow, 5 o'clock Thursday. See you then.